Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. This week, I'm sitting down with Zamara, an up-and-coming Malaysian MC and artist. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of On The Spot. I am your host, Melinda Garvey, and super excited to be here as always. It's one of my favorite things because each week I get to bring you an incredible, relatable role model. And today is super fun because we've got somebody that has a little different path than sometimes what we feature in a normal business. And she's in the music industry and super hip and cool and also from Malaysia. So I'm super, super excited to welcome Zamira, and she is a Malaysian MC and singer, and she is gearing up to release her first EP. So she's going to talk to us about her journey and what she's up to. So welcome. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you, Melinda, for having me. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always great to connect, especially that we're both halfway across the world, that we can just talk and connect. It is great. Well, we were just talking about the time difference, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning for me, but it's 10 o'clock at night for you. You know, it is great how we can connect all over the world, and I love that we can bring women from different parts of the world because On The Dot is global, and we're really about showing that there are women literally the world over who are doing incredible things and overcoming obstacles and hurdles and and really showing the path to other women. And we're all about that abundance, right? That abundance of success. Of course, exactly. And for me, you know, obviously uh, on the topic of connection, music does that for me, you know, whether it be with other women, other men, the younger generation, the older sort of crowd. And that's the thing that music's always done for me. It's always been able to bring back to sort of this like human emotion, you know, relatability and no matter where you're from, because I'm pretty sure you're no stranger to travel and, you know, going here and there. And you realize that really we're not any much different and that's why you have like a favorite song for example you know because it makes you feel either happy or sad frustrated and all these things and uh yeah i can't wait to you know answer some of your questions so let's get happen (laughs) first thing i love to do is really kind of go back what did you want to be when you grew up you know we often talk about you know oh we're on this path and we talk about the current stuff like when you were dreaming of this like how did you get on this path and how did you make this happen for you To be very frank, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an air stewardess. (laughs) I really did. I lived in a couple of different countries growing up, and I loved sort of that hospitality that that air stewardesses had, or even, you know, just stewards in general. And, you know, with their smile, and they were always so polite, and they were always so nice. And I think that's the part about me, you know, always wanting to reach out to people and make people feel good, you know, constantly wanting to make people happy, whether it's through conversation or whether it's through music and that's something that I I realized from a very young age but when I was in primary school I think in the U.S. you call it elementary school I was competing in competitive storytelling so it's a thing yes you do storytelling you do interschools and basically with storytelling you have to memorize a book of your choice you know and it has to be about 10 to 15 minutes long different competitions of different regulations but you have to dress up you have to dress up in character and my story was about an old man and you know woman and they, they had a little sparrow that they were taking care of and you know their life was going around the sparrow and anyway I competed all the way to 
national levels. Wow. And yeah, a bunch of hundred kids like coming to compete to, you know, tell their stories. And that was the first time I had lost. I was nine years old. I'd lost at national. I felt like, you know, I'd never felt anything like that before because I am unnecessarily competitive. <laughs> I don't know about you, Melinda. And from there, my music teacher should come across sort of this audition on national television for a storytelling competition. And I joined, long story short, uh, won the competition. That was the opening sort of envelope for me to go into entertainment, into the TV industry. I was hosting on TV for, you know, like five, six years since I was 12 years old. So really was in tune with, you know, people and entertainment since a very young age and just wanting to connect. But also at the same time had always been writing sort of poems, short stories, was an English literature student in school and rap. And I didn't know that raps or R.A.P. stood for like rhythm and poetry. And I just never like thought of putting that two and two together because I never really listened to hip hop when I was in high school, only when I was 17, which was, you know, when I graduated, a friend of mine had asked me to sort of just dissect this album by a very famous hip hop rapper from the U.S. called Tupac Shakur. And I, you know, was just listening to his fourth album, All Eyes on Me. And I I was so bewildered because it was like, how can a 17-year-old little Asian girl connect so much with the lyrics of Tupac Shakur, who's no longer, you know, alive and came from a totally different background? You know, obviously a male, a different culture, a different religion. And like, how is it that we connect so much on this level? And, you know, from then on, it was hip hop for life for me. And I didn't stop writing and I never stopped making music. And here I am today. That's awesome. So when did you sort of, in part of your bio, talks about you being an MC? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that mean to you? And, you know, what that piece of it look like? So basically, for me, an MC really is somebody who is, you know, in command of the crowd right? Whether it's in, in the form of a corporate event and you're hosting and you're the, the MC of the night, or, you know, like the, the master of ceremony is sort of the same thing. Also in music context, when you have the microphone and there's a DJ and you're really connecting with the crowd, controlling the crowd by, you know, saying specific words. So in the club, you always see like MCs. And I did, I did all those things when I was about like 15, 16, I was in the club MCing, you know, because there was a lack of women doing it. You know, I wasn't really doing it seriously. I just had a couple of friends, you know, 15, you're not really supposed to be going in the club but there was a side of me that just couldn't stop not going for it like once I had a piece of it I just wanted to keep on going back and I was so used to being in front of a huge crowd you know talking about or presenting myself or presenting a certain you know event or something that I was like it's not any different, you know, when you do it with music because people want to have a good time. And for some reason that when I'm on the microphone, people wanted to hear me and I didn't know why. And they kept on calling me back. And then from features, it became sort of like a, oh, you know, do you want to do this gig? And they didn't pay well, you know, no clubs really pay well when you're younger and nobody knows you. But then you don't really care because you're not doing it for the money. But then again, if you're making like $100, $200 every weekend, you're like the richest teen on the block, you know? <laughs> so that really, for me, emceeing was being able to control sort of how the crowd is feeling. Just like how the DJ does with music, you know, and producers do with the music and the rhythm and the tempo and so on. That's how I felt like I was doing with the microphone, you know, being able to control them with what I said, with the way that I flowed, with the lyrics and coupled with, you know, the music together. It was just sort of an amazing experience and, and I didn't want it to ever end. It's really interesting because of course 
from, you know, my perspective, when you look at an MC, because I go to so many events, right? And they're all the, what you're talking about, the corporate events, the nonprofit events. I think that, gosh, if you could get people that are running those events to realize Mm. that the person who is MCing, the person who is up there and leading it can make or break that event. Exactly. It's like, you have to be able to read the crowd and you have to be able to connect with them. And, you know, it is very interesting. So we need you to come over here and shake up some of these corporate events. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Definitely. I love to. I love to stir the pot a little bit. (laughs) There you go. That's right. Let me tell you, some of these events need some major pot stirring. So there you go. My dad just had a board meeting or sort of like a, one of those, you know, big corporate events that they have like an annual dinner. And yeah. he was like, um, I'm going to hire you for my next show. <laughs> we don't have long, boring speeches, you know, spice it up a little bit. That's right. Oh, that's great. I want to kind of talk a little bit about the music business because arguably it's one of the hardest businesses. I mean, it's a hard business to make it. It's a hard business to make money. You know, we're here in Austin, Texas and, you know, they call it the live music capital of the world. And, you know, I know how much the, you know, artists are struggling and certainly then sort of layer onto that being a female artist. So I'd love just to talk about, you know, particular, you know, struggles that maybe you had as a woman and how you overcame those struggles. The first thing for me, which was really important, was my perspective and how I took this sort of what seems to be like a disadvantage being in a very male dominant industry, that being hip hop and rap. Because obviously in every country, you know, region that you go to, you will see that the ratio of, you know, female to to male hip hop artists is like one to 10, always, you know. And for me, going into that, I had always seen it as an advantage for me because why would I want to you know be in a crowd like that that played to my advantage because I stood out like a sore thumb being a woman I mean let's not talk about just hip-hop let's talk about everything you do as a woman you're so magnified you do something well you're like why is she doing well you know is there something like who is she talking to like who does she know you know why is she getting in this position how come people are listening to her and what she wants to say this is not familiar in you know even the corporate world uh, sort of and I think because of this positive attitude that I always had towards that it's really allowed me uh, and I really believe in sort of you know the law of attraction like or thinking your thoughts and then turning into action and things happening sort of in your way because you know starting your day in that way it just makes you arrive at your goal better I don't know how to put it it's not that I didn't struggle I really did you know obviously coming to this point and wanting to be able to pursue music I've pursued music now a uh, full-time for two years which I'm so blessed I'm so blessed to be able to you know get to perform for a show every week whether it's corporate whether it's you know a music festival people always call me back whether it's a brand engagement or endorsement there's so many ways to live off of music you know if you really want it there is a way to get it and you know you just can't stop because so commonly in music people get really discouraged very quickly because you know one day you're in the next day you're out you know one day you're putting hot music the next day your music ain't hot no more you know so it's about consistency of practicing and putting out products when I say products, I really mean like music and content. Content is really important. You can't make it just by having talent, you know, rapping and singing. There's so many other aspects to being an artist or, you know, a musician that is really important that you need to brush up on your personality, talking to people, talking to the media, you know, showing the relatable side of you. That's why people like, for example, Cardi B does so well in the industry is because she's so relatable to the regular sort of like human being, you know, that she shows her side of herself where I don't wear makeup. 
makeup and I'm going through this kind of issue and all those things and ensuring that you're transparent and really real about what you do will help you overcome these struggles and then struggles will just seem like small obstacles for you to arrive at you know your goals. Right. Well, and I think it's so interesting to talk to you because I think that a lot of times when you talk to musicians, of course, are so passionate about the music and they're into the writing. But I think that the piece that's often missing is that business side. And at the end of the day, and everything that you just said, if you were to transpose that into what an entrepreneur does and, you know, and, and how you have to constantly be looking at your brand and coming up with new ideas and how do I fit within and all the different things that you said that you were going after. It's not just about, oh, I'm a musician, so therefore I want to play clubs. It's like, how are all the different ways that I can get in front of people and, you know, and to make sure that I can continue to do what I love, I can grow and scale a business. I mean, it's so relatable in that way. And, and the fact that you think of it that way, and especially at such a young age, I mean, that is so entrepreneurial. It's really, you know. Well, basically, I was trying to be creative because I was studying law and psychology in college, and I loved it. Honestly, I really loved it and I think I will always eventually go back into that line once I've had my 20-year plan out of the way. (laughs) Um, But when I dropped out, I told my parents, I want to drop out, not because I don't love what I'm studying, but I do want to pursue music. And I think that's the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. And my parents were so cool with it. But typical parents, I'm not sure how it's like in the US, but like for Asian parents, they're like, okay, if they support you, which is not common, they'd be like, no. But if they do, like my parents, they were like, you just have to find sort of your own income. And I started working in my first ever corporate job in Uber as a customer service representative. And then did sales when they first launched and did the whole corporate thing, you know, 12, 14 hours a day for about a year and realized that I didn't even have time to pursue my passion. And so I wrote a 12-page business plan, Googled how to write a business plan, (laughs) wrote a 12-page business plan, shared it with my dad, you know, and it was so messy. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I had a plan and I had to write it down. I had to show him what my short-term and long-term goals was with music and how I could arrive at them. And I needed to take a loan. And you know, when you take a loan from the daddy bank, you ain't got to pay interest. So it's okay, (laughs) which I did it. I took a loan and then I paid him back every month. I'm still paying him back every month. And it's been great because I know that the support is there. I just have to stick to what I wrote. And that's the thing that people sometimes forget. It's always in their head, you know, especially with creative people. Sometimes you have all these big ideas and big plans, whether it's your music or whether it's, you know, a festival that you're targeting on playing like, Every musician wants to play at Coachella happening, you know, this month, for example. And what are you doing to get to that point? Like, are you connecting with a booking agents? Are you talking to, you know, certain people that can bring you there? Are you playing all these shows? Are you performing? Are you practicing every day? And um, if you're not, then, you know, you better start taking that pen and paper out because pen and paper ain't just for writing lyrics, for writing plans. (laughs) No, very true. Well, have you ever thought of doing any of these, you know, or like one of my favorite shows, which is sort of, you know, it's one of those things where I just love, you know, having it on our cooking dinner is the voice. Always, it blows my mind, the talent. And I'll tell you, it's so interesting because just, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, one of the women on The Voice, she came out and she started singing because, you know, they don't know. And then she started rapping. And I mean, Kelly Clarkson turns around, jumps up. She's like, oh my God, because I think, again, it's so unique 
neat to hear a female who can do that. And I haven't seen it lately. I don't know how far she went. So I'm just curious. Have you ever thought of doing anything like that? I, I did. I did when I was, well, obviously before I was signed. I mean, I did in fact join sort of some of those competitions. We don't have the Voice Malaysia, but we do have like Asia's Got Talent. But that's only recently, maybe like two years ago, we've only had that. So I did the whole competition, you know, competed in malls and stuff with other really creative people. But for most of these competitions, you're not allowed to join, for example, right now, if you have a deal. And they do want to give the opportunity to people who has not had the platform, which I think is really fair. And it's good that they look at that because, you know, when you have a record deal in place, I guess it's easier for you to sort of reach out to the masses and other places. So why not give the opportunity to people who haven't had that chance before? Yeah, absolutely. You have an EP. It's releasing soon. Is that right? It's already out. Oh, that's awesome. So tell us about that. It's my first debut EP album, which I recorded live in Chicago last year with like a 15-piece orchestra called Matt Jones Orchestra. It was amazing. Like, you know, going into a room, performing or about to record the orchestra for the first time, it's like, going to make it or are you going to break it, you know? And I was, I was really anxious about feeling like somebody from the outside coming in, but that was not the case because when I was there, you know, the producer, Floyd Timeless Thomas, made sure that everything in that moment, everything that we'd done you know was to arrive at that moment and it was perfect and I didn't feel like an outsider I felt like I belonged there and it's called Z the EP and sort of the theme of the EP album is based on growth and progression and I knew I wanted to write about growth and progression because my writing style is very self-reflective and I think I do best when I write about the things that I know and I obviously know myself the most so the three elements that I decided to sort of write about was you know personal growth my consciousness and belief and love and out of those three sort of elements came four songs one of it's called z versus z which is a song that is the present me talking to the past me truth is about asking better questions asking about uh, my purpose and what am i doing here and wanting to constantly be curious about the things that we do because sometimes so often in life we're doing things and we don't even know why and i just wanted people to listen to it like a thought-provoking sort of question and topic as well and then the other two songs is killing me softly which is sort of my rendition of the 1973 roberta flax version yeah. and um almost which was written by floyd and myself and it's about love and going through these emotions as a woman obviously sometimes in hip-hop people feel like women are trying to be aggressive or trying to put on this wall and build sort of this character that is very masculine almost because we have to put up for the fact that we're females and we're softer that's really not the case with me. I wanted to show, you know, my emotions in the rawest form because I know that's real and I know that's what people need to hear is the realness, you know, in such a manufactured or even, you know, industry, obviously certain songs are made to fit certain types of people and types of groups but this song I was like in fact I never met the producer but we wrote uh, back and forth an email uh, from March of 2018 until May and I met him in May and then when I listened to the music it was like I can't believe you made something sonically that sounded like what I wrote to him in an email I didn't write him the lyrics I just wrote the themes and the topic I could have okay. easily been like this doesn't work with what I had but it did you know and that's special connection is just so strong and yeah it's been out for about two weeks now and there 
response has been really, really amazing. I've been able to perform it um, and people have been, you know, messaging me on my social media platforms talking about how they're proud of me, especially people from Malaysia, you know, trying to represent where I come from and also for women trying to represent women in hip hop. I think it's been such a great ride and I can't wait for the rest of where it's going to take me. Oh, that's awesome. As we kind of wind down here, do you have sort of a, a piece of advice maybe that someone gave you that you live by or something that you always, you know, if someone asks you, what is it that you go to? So I have two things that is my go-to pieces of advice, both coming from my dad. My dad's like my Yoda. <laughs> uh, the first thing is that emotions demand to be felt, but only you know how long you need to recover before you snap back into reality. That was the first piece of emotion that I brought with myself, you know, coming into this industry, knowing that I'm going to have to face a lot of different challenges and constantly having to have a clear mind. You know, you have to be emotional when it comes to the creative work, but when it comes to deciding, you know, your career and the things that you want for your future and long-term goals, you have to have a clear mind. And the second thing that he always told me is to acknowledge whether it's your strengths or your flaws, admit them. And once you've admitted them and you're not afraid to share it with the world and with yourself, then only can you take action into doing, you know, what you need to do next. So whether it's writing a song about it or whether it's, you know, talking to the public on social media about it or something like that, that's what you have to do. The three A's is super important. And I love that too, because I think that being able to really, you know, you talked about knowing yourself and really understanding that because I think two things happen is number one, you're in your highest and best use. That's what I always say. I said, what's your highest and best use? I know when I am not working in my highest and best use, when I'm doing things and I'm really not good at, and I'm unhappy and I'm not very productive. So it really allows you to, to be able to attract the people that you need to fill those slots because when you're in your highest and best use, that's when the magic happens. That is really, really true. And I stand by that 100%. So tell us what's next for you. So what's next for me is basically I'm going to have a nationwide tour with a very interesting concept that was curated by the label I'm with, Lakefront Records. They came up with LFX, the Lakefront Experience, together um, in collaboration with TGV Cinemas, a very innovative cinema company that is based out here in Malaysia. And they're the first people to come up with the concept of live performances in surround sound in cinemas. So really using the technology in the cinema at also using that space that's already ready. It's exciting. It's not just about me. It's about which other artist is going to be able to sort of, you know, come up with this amazing sort of visual set an hour and a half long. You can really go into your phone in the cinema app. 2 p.m. you can watch Captain Marvel. 3 p.m. you can watch this. 5 p.m. you can watch your favorite artist perform live for an hour and a half. Wow. in the same space and then they can you know turn everything off and turn it back into a cinema mode at like 8 p.m right after so the turnaround time is about half an hour which is amazing and i can't wait to see how other artists sort of respond to that but for me we're going to do a nationwide tour um in a couple of different cities and then of course looking forward to a southeast asian tour and collaborating with all these new artists that i've met from my previous two week of hosting with mtv just recently Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay, so tell us where we can find you and where we can find your album so that our listeners know. 
Okay, so you can find me on all my social media platforms and Instagram. That's Zamira, Z-A-M-A-E-R, triple A. And also I'm on Twitter and Facebook with the same names. And you can listen and stream my EP album. If you go to my Instagram, you can actually, there's a link to my EP album, but basically it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on, it's on all the platforms that you listen to. <laughs> so I can't wait for you guys to listen to it and let me know what you think. Right. Well, we will be doing that. And certainly we will be watching you. And I hope that you keep in touch with us and keep us updated. We're so proud of you as a young woman doing this. And if you know, when you get over to the States, you got to come to Texas. I am coming. Melinda, I'm going to hold you by. I'm, I've been wanting right. to go to Texas for forever. And then I'm coming and I'm going to make huge ruckus out there. <laughs> Excellent. I'll help you do that. How about that? I know you will. <laughs> thank you so well, much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It was awesome hearing your story. And thank you so much just for sharing so openly and authentically. You know, I know our listeners loved it. Thank you. I hope you have a great day ahead. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass boss you were meant to be. Tune in next week, where I sit down with Gail Davis, the founder of GDA Speakers. Share On The Dot with your tribe. Like, subscribe, and share onthedotwoman.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you stream your favorite pods.